You know, when you could make the argument that almost your entire roster could use some kind of new draft choice, the draft gets a little bit more exciting, doesn't it? Welcome to another episode of Lombardi Time Brews. I hope you had an absolutely wonderful weekend. If you celebrate Easter, I hope it was a great time with family and friends. Today we are diving into the defensive roster. Yes, on Friday, took a step back. We stopped talking about prospects and talked about who is on the Packers 90-man roster as it stands. Where are the true needs? How high on the priority list are different positions for the Packers? Well, today we're flipping the script. We're doing the exact same thing with the defensive side of the ball. Looking at D-line, linebacker, edge, corner, safety. So ultimately, at the end of the day, this is a little bit different of a year as I kind of alluded to in the intro. In past years, we've looked at the Packers roster like there's just a little hole here or a little hole here. And we can bank on the fact that they're at least going to try to address it. Unless you've been campaigning for a wide receiver in the first round for years while they just ignored you. But this year's a little different in that you can look across this roster. And I think ultimately at the end of the day, there's one spot on the roster, one position, maybe two. That you could say the Green Bay Packers won't make any picks there and be just fine. Now that's looking ahead, right? It's not just for this year because we know that the draft... Is the long-term investment, right? So one of the things that comes to mind in that kind of category is like, well, maybe O-line. But who knows? number of those players' contracts are up within the next two years. Uh, David Bakhtiari is certainly question marks across the board if he's even going to be on pass this year. So there's questions there. So I think you're looking at one, maybe two positions. One of them I'm going to talk about today at inside linebacker. The other is at corner. And even then, I think you're going to see the Packers pick a corner. So lots and lots of different questions with this roster, lots of holes to plug. Other just real general observations before I dive into the detailed work here. And one of them is that the Packers have done a really good job with the free agents that they've signed this year, which we all know. These have not been marquee free agents. These have not been expensive ones. These have not even been instantaneous starters that they've signed. But they have done a nice job with the cap that they've had available, going out and getting players that have ensured they're going to have flexibility on draft day. You know, edge is one of the most talked about positions, right? Are the Packers going to go get Miles Murphy? Are there... Lots of questions with edge, right? So the Packers said, well, we don't want to be pigeonholed into needing an edge. So they went and re-signed Justin Hollins for a year. At safety... Sure, they re-signed Dallin Levitt, even though he's more special teams than anything, but they re-signed Rudy Ford to a one-year deal. And in addition to that, they brought in Tarvarius Moore from San Francisco on a one-year deal. So now safety is at least livable. I'm not saying it's great, but it's livable if the draft board doesn't fall in a way that safety presents itself as an appealing option. Even inside linebacker re-signing Eric Wilson for one year. Nixon at corner. Making sure that corner spot is solid. And I think the one area on this team that you can say the Packers didn't sign a free agent to stabilize it, at least on the defensive side of the ball, offense is a different story, on the defensive side of the ball, is probably the interior defensive line. 
It's possible they attempted to bring back Jerron Reed. But at the end of the day, we don't know. And I'm going to be talking about D-line first up here. And the cupboard is bare. Let's say that. So that's really the one spot on the defense where the Packers haven't gone out and at least signed someone to at least make the position livable for at least a year. And all of these little signings ensure maximum flexibility when it comes to draft day. And make sure that you can sit back and choose a best player available as to, we only have one safety, we have to get one figured out a way. So the other thing that I kind of just want you to pay attention to as I go through, I'm going to tell you how many years are left on all of these different guys' contract. And from a roster standpoint, generally you want to have year-over-year flexibility, but you also want to have the foundation of your roster locked up for more than just a year, maybe more than two in an ideal world. Listen to the number of guys as I go through the roster that have two years left on their contract or have massive cap jumps year-over-year. This is really, really important from a roster-building standpoint. And if you're trying to figure out what the Packers are going to do in this year's draft, don't just look at the roster right now. Look at the 2024 roster. Even if you're trying to figure out the Packers' financials beyond 2023. 2024, they're also still going to be poor. 2025 is where the cap really begins to ease up. And that's only partially going to be determined on how they handle next year. And that's not all doom and gloom. Look, the Packers are going to figure it out. They've got a myriad of ways at their disposal to do it. But with the contracts the way that they are right now, on the books, right this millisecond, 2024 is a very tight year. So bear that in mind. Let's dive in. So looking at the defensive line, right? Obviously, you've got Kenny Clark. Kenny Clark, one of those guys with two years left on his contract. Entering his age 28 season, his cap numbers, as I was just mentioning, his leap from 12.9 this year to 27.4 in 2024. Now, to me, considering that he still is under the age of 30, they picked him way back when he was 20, just a little baby, that now... With a 27.4 cap number next year, plus money pushed out three years after that, Kenny Clark next offseason could very well be an extension candidate. I don't see the Packers just letting him ride out this contract and then letting him go at age 29. I just don't see it. So it's entirely possible. Now, moving on to the rest of the defensive line, you've got TJ Slayton. Two years left on his contract, 26 years old, played 599 snaps this year. Then, of course, you have last year's first-round pick, the 28 pick, Devontae Wyatt. He's got either three or four years left on his contract, depending on if they exercise the fifth-year option well into the future. And he played 224 snaps this year. And there you go. Those are your three, quote-unquote, starters on the defensive line. And then after that, it gets scary, okay? Like, you've got TJ Slayton. You've got White, you got Clark, but then after that, there is a drop. One of them would be Chris Slayton, who spent almost the entire year on the practice squad, and then Jonathan Ford, last year's seventh-round pick, who was on the active roster for most of the game, but almost never suited up. And combined, they have a whopping zero snaps in an actual NFL game that counted. So, all told, you've got Kenny Clark with 5,100 snaps, TJ Slayton, 599 in his career. I think I might have misspoke earlier. It's 599 in his career on defense. And then Devontae Wyatt with 224. After that, after those top three, you have zero. Zero snaps. And I know, adding a rookie is also zero snaps. But look, 
This, more than almost any other position on the team, needs some kind of talent infusion. And we know that the Packers don't value it that highly. Yes, they spent a first-rounder on Wyatt last year, but that was after years and years and years of neglect and calls and protests and riots about getting Kenny Clark some help. They're still in the same boat. I believe in Wyatt's potential a ton. TJ Slayton is a very capable nose tackle, but he's not going to play every snap. And then you got Kenny Clark, but who around him is going to formulate this defensive line? This is a very, very high need for the Green Bay Packers just to add bodies. Right now they get five. Two of them have played zero. They need bodies here, and I think it's going to be addressed early. If it's not, they're going to have some post-draft work to do for the defensive line. Now, moving on to inside linebacker, this is one spot, really, I think the spot more so than any other spot on the roster that you could argue, doesn't need some kind of high draft investment. Doesn't need really kind of anything at all. Because you've got Devondre Campbell, who's had a fine season last year, but it wasn't nearly the all-pro campaign that it was two years ago. His tackling grade per PFF went from 90 two years ago when he was an all-pro to 63 last year, and the fall-off was noticeable. But nonetheless, he's 30 years old. He's got four years left in his contract. There is an out in his contract should the Packers, it's kind of, let's not say it's written into the contract, but it's the most likely time that the Packers could move on. It'd be 2025. And he's another one, just like Kenny Clark. His cap number goes through the roof next year. It's at 5.5 right now, and it jumps all the way to 14.4 next year. Beyond that, of course, you've got last year's 22 pick, Quay Walker, who's got either three or four years left in his deal, dependent on if the Packers pick up his fifth-year option down the road. Moving on, you've got Isaiah McDuffie, who still has two years left in his contract, actually started playing some defense last year with 175 snaps. You know, he is a fairly sure tackler. He's great on special teams. But I think for the Packers' interest, you could make the argument that as a number three inside linebacker, he still gets wrapped up and bogged down in traffic a lot. That he doesn't have the play streak to burst through areas and bring runners down. And we know one of the tremendous weaknesses of the Packer defense still is run defense. So McDuffie, while he's a progressing player and someone that the Packers like a lot, is he a run game enforcer? No, I don't think you can make that argument quite yet. And I don't think you can make it either for their number four inside linebacker, Eric Wilson. Retained on a one-year contract, the 29-year-old inside linebacker was one of the top special teams performers last year. But... Something that I think a lot of people forget is he's actually played quite a bit of real life inside linebacker, not just special teams. He even compiled a thousand snap defensive season in 2020 for the Minnesota Vikings. In that year, he had 87 tackles, 30 of which were stops and four sacks. The guy can play some inside linebacker, but when you look at that cumulative four, McDuffie, Eric Wilson, Walker, and Campbell, I think you can make the argument that Campbell could be it if he plays like two years ago. But what they're really losing, or what they really are missing, is, you know, I know they wanted to get faster from Chris Barnes, but they're missing that thumper, that Antonio Morrison type from a few years ago. That guy that just barrels through with reckless abandon and just messes up run games. Not that Morrison was particularly awesome about it, but still, like that type of guy. So could it be addressed late in the draft? Sure, but is this one place that they're going to be looking at even remotely in the top, you know, section of the draft? No. And I think it's one of the only positions on the roster that you can confidently say that. Maybe quarterback, maybe corner, depending on how it falls, but yeah, we'll get to all that. Now let's take a look at edge. Now, 
one of the most talked about positions when it comes to premier draft picks. And part of that is just because of the value of choosing an edge player in the first round. And then you've got them on a cheap-ish contract for four years. So is there talk here of edge for the Packers? Certainly. We also know that the Packers love choosing pass rushers early in the draft. But this is also a position that kind of already has a plan-ish. Ish. Number one, let's talk about Preston Smith entering his age 31 season. He's got four years left in his contract. His cap number this year, $6 million. Next year, 16.5. And realistically, I think if you look over the entirety of his contract, Preston Smith, I know when he restructured, a lot of people said, well, like, this is probably going to be the last year. And I don't think so. I think his contract is restructured in a way that he's got two years for sure left in Green Bay. And then we'll see. I don't think this is a a one-and-done restructure like you may make the case for David Bakhtiari. No, I think his is much more two and then maybe done because after his cap number six and then 16, then it becomes 17, 18. It just keeps going up. And then the dead cap makes a lot more sense that if he's a 34-year-old linebacker and you want 15 million in open cap, you can at least make the argument. Beyond Preston Smith, on the opposite side, you've got Rashawn Gary, entering his fifth year option year, of course, the last year of his contract, I do think Rashawn Gary is going to be signing an extension later this year if all parties can come to an agreement. Beyond that, you got Kingsley Anikbari, the 23-year-old edge who really flashed nicely last year. Uh, Three years left on his contract. Like I mentioned earlier, they re-signed Justin Hollins to a one-year deal, maintaining that flexibility that they at least have when Gary comes back for capable edge rushers. Maybe not the best in the world, but they're capable. Holland's only on a one-year deal, though. Beyond that, you've got 24-year-old Jonathan Garvin, another guy who was just drafted as a baby. 24 years old, he's entering the final year of his deal. If Garvin wants to continue on in this NFL career, he needs to make some serious waves this year. Ladarius Hamilton, mostly a practice squad player. So, I mean, there you have it. Edge, they at least have the numbers to build a roster. But is it ideal? No. Could I absolutely see a Miles Murphy? I know a lot of people like Lucas Van Ness, even if I'm not as high on him. Someone like that infused into this grouping? Yes, this is a fairly high need for the Packers. Just because this is a heavy rotation spot, you need more than two good ones to have it be a true strength of your team. Moving on to corner, a little bit of a question mark position for different reasons than other ones. Of course, you've got Jair Alexander as your number one. Four years left on his deal this year, $10 million. Next year, it balloons to $24 million. But of course, he's not going anywhere anytime soon. Razul Douglas, 28 years old. He has two years left on his deal. Eric Stokes has either two or three years left on his deal, depending on if they exercise the five-year option. And of course, with him, when's he going to come back? nobody seems to know because no one seems to know officially what that injury was but we do know he's probably not going to be ready for the start of camp at the very least and then you got Keyshawn Nixon retained on a one-year deal and there's your top four corners like no doubt those are your top four and then after those four there is a drastic fall off in both ability uh, I mean sure these other guys are, are locked up longer term but ability, play experience, etc. There's a massive fall-off here. You're dropping all the way to Shamar Jean Charles, who has two years left on his deal. Corey Ballantyne, who just re-signed a one-year contract. And I believe that's much more special teams driven than anything, considering he did play 106 special team snaps this year. Keandre Thomas, Benji Franklin, Tyrell Ford are all predominantly practice squad types. 
So could I see a corner punched in here? Sure, but I could make the argument for corner a lot more in conjunction with the safety position. If you're drafting a corner, that means moving one of the guys to safety, such as potentially Razul Douglas, this has been talked about a lot. You know Jair's not moving. Stokes doesn't have it. Nixon doesn't have it. But I do think if you draft a corner, something's going to give, especially given your safety position. And let's talk there. Look, the safety position, I don't I don't know what's going on. Okay, I understand. The Packers don't have any money. They're not going to go anybody. Maybe they'll re-sign Adrian Amos yet. Maybe. It's possible. Maybe they're just waiting until after the draft to re-sign Amos. But just, just listen to this roster, okay? Your two starting safeties, as it stands right now, Darnell Savage and Rudy Ford. After that, you've got one-year free agent signing Tarvarius Moore from San Francisco. After that, your third wave of safeties, you've got Innes Gaines, who's been predominantly a practice squatter through his career. And last year's seventh-round pick, Tariq Carpenter, whose brother has been a lot of rumors about you shifting him to inside linebacker. And then after that, you've got a special teams ace in Dallin Levitt, who you do not want playing safety at all. And then you got James Wiggins for your practice squad. So, like, look, the number of safeties on this team is baffling. You've got seven safeties? Uh, Dallin Levitt, if you even want to call him that, because they're not going to play safety, so now you're down to six safeties. You got Savage and Ford as your starters, who sure are capable stop gaps, but then you've got Tavares Moore, who he only signed to a one-year deal, so he's not exactly the future of the position. Then you got Ennis Gaines and Tariq Carpenter. What is the future of this position? And I saw an argument on Twitter, and I actually think that there might be some merit to this, that the reason why the Packers issued so many one-year contracts and seemingly don't have a plan for the safety position is because the 2024 draft is significantly stronger when it comes to safety. The 2023 draft, safety is considered one of its weakest positions. A lot of, even if they're really athletically gifted, they may be projects in other regards, such as Sidney Brown being especially athletically gifted, but and all in all, a fairly poor tackler. Or you're looking at someone like a Brian Branch, an incredibly skilled safety with a poor athletic profile, and has really only played slot corner, so there's questions about if he can translate to safety in the full pro game. But 2024, from everything I've read, has a much stronger safety class. So maybe they just signed a bunch of one-year deals just to get us over the hump and get us into 2024? It's possible. I mean, listen to this. You got Darnell Savage entering his fifth-year contract, uh, fifth-year options. This is the last year of his deal. Rudy Ford, 28 years old, re-signed on a one-year deal. And he was their third highest defender for the Packers last year per PFF. Played 443 defensive snaps, third highest graded member of the defense. Moving down a tier, you got Tavares Moore, 27 years old, signed a one-year deal. He missed all of 2021 due to injuries. But look, this is a guy who started in 2020 for San Francisco. He logged 541 snaps, 40 tackles, 15 of which were stops, but ultimately had a fairly lackluster grading and coverage. His athletic profile screams Packers, though. He posted a 9.22 Raz when he came out years ago and ran a 4.3240. And that was all in 2018. So maybe they're bringing in more just as a, as a, let's see if we got something here, a lottery ticket type. And then down a tier, you got Innes Gaines, who's got two years left on his deal, one in the actual contract, and then one as an exclusive rights free agent. You got Tree Carpenter, who's got three years left, but is he a safety or is he an inside linebacker? I'm leaning towards, given now, they're just going to keep him at safety. 
But there were legitimate questions last year when he came out about if they were going to move him. And then you got Dallin Levitt, who re-signed on a one-year deal. And then you got Wiggins for your practice squad. I really don't know as if the Packers in this draft are going to find themselves in a position to find their safety of the future. And maybe they don't want to. But nonetheless, this is a massive question mark on the back end of their defense. So, at the end of the day, when you look over the entire defense, D-line is an incredibly pressing need just because you need bodies. And what did Ted Thompson used to say about big bodies? The good Lord only made so many. And then you got inside linebacker, who you probably don't have to invest much capital at all in. Edge, which could use some premium talent infusion, but it's still going to be part of a rotation. Corner, I could see him picking a corner really high if it means someone else shifting to safety. Or just corner for corner's sake, because you need a million of them to make it through a year. And then safety, which by all accounts just looks like a one-year position right now. I don't mean to undersell the Green Bay Packers. There is still an incredible amount of talent in this defense. Preston Smith or Sean Gary do form a great edge duo. Jay Alexander, Rasul Douglas, Eric Stokes is a tremendous trio at corner. Kenny Clark, one of the premier defensive linemen for 3-4 situations in the league. This is all the talent in the world to be a great defense, but when you look at the future plan, what is it? And can Joe Barry coordinate it to its full extent this year? What kind of a talent infusion are you going to see on defense? We find out real, real soon. Hope you enjoyed this episode. I will be back on Wednesday. Oh, we're going to get back to talking about prospects on Wednesday. You can ensure the same on Friday because the draft is just getting closer and closer and closer. So hope you had a fantastic day today. And as always, go Pack Go.